Wellness Force Radio, episode 59. After the age of 30, we basically, as humans, we start to lose muscle tissue. It's just a natural part of the aging process. So realistically, we should be doing everything humanly possible to increase muscle tissue. The muscle tissue is what impacts the metabolism much more so than cardiovascular training. If you look at cardiovascular training and aerobic training, you're burning calories during the exercise. With strength training, there's a phenomenon called excess post-exercise oxygen consumption. And that is where your body, your metabolism is elevated for hours post-training. And this only occurs through resistance exercise, through strength training. So it's critical for weight loss, for health, for fat burning effects. What's up, my friend? Welcome back to another episode. This is your host, Josh Trent. Thank you for sharing this small slice of your day here in the podcast. This is where I find you the most inspiring and passionate experts who are really moving the needle for others and breaking paradigms in behavior change and wellness technology. Every week, you and I get to come together to learn from these world-class leaders who dedicate their lives to driving real transformation in our physical and emotional wellness. This episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Perfect Supplements. And finally, I found a company that walks the talk with their values of non-GMO, organic, and pesticide-free real food supplements that help us all on this wellness journey. Hop on over to perfectsupplements.com slash wellnessforce and use code wellnessforce to save 10% off your entire order. Today on the show, we are diving deep together to get knowledge and tools from movement teacher and author, Scott Ardella. Scott is going to blow your mind away today. He's a therapist. He has a huge background in fitness. Here's a little bit more about Scott. He is a one of a kind strength coach, athlete, and former physical therapist. He's known in the industry as a fitness innovator and a scientist in the area of strength and performance training. He's engineered powerful training programs for athletes and everyday people that really help to build muscle and enhance athleticism. But he's also prevented people from wasting time and frustration from ineffective exercise exercises and programming. He lives in sunny South Florida. He's a sports medic and orthopedic background. He's trained thousands of people. And as he shares so vulnerably on the show today, he had a major low back injury that really moved how he trained himself and how he trains others. Here's what to look forward to from Scott today. We're going to unpack the common myths about strength training for women. How do we actually use strength training for weight loss and longevity and diving into the science behind how to let go of old weight through the modality of strength training. We'll talk about steady state cardiovascular training versus interval training and a phenomenon Scott calls exercise post-oxygen consumption. We'll touch on kettlebell training and what holds women back from starting to strength train. Now, whether you're a mom or just a woman out there who's a working professional, this episode is for you. And also for the guys listening, this is a great time to reflect on your training. Are you using the movements that are helping you or hurting you in the gym and in regards to your wellness? And without any further waiting, let's jump into this powerful show with Scott Ardella. Scott, welcome to the show. Thanks, Josh. Great to be here. You know, we just had a fun hour-long conversation. I feel like I gave you so many goodies. I am looking forward to you just sharing all your knowledge about strength training for women. This is something that comes up so much in client meetings and also just, you know, social media. There's this fear tactic out there that I don't know where it adapted from, Scott, but we're going to talk about this today, man. I'm so glad you're here. So thanks for coming on. Nice. Thank you for having me, man. 
Now, strength training is something you're an expert in. I mean, your background's in strength. You're an athlete, a former physical therapist. Really, you're a movement teacher. You're somebody that teaches people how to move correctly and pain-free. You're also the author of The Edge of Strength. But, you know, with all these things that are on the internet about you, you're all over the place, man. What's something fun that most people don't know about you? Wow. <laughs> That's uh, something fun that most people don't know about me. Um, for, for downtime... I listen to to classic music. So I know that one of the things we were kind of talking about was stress relief, stress reduction. Mm. And uh, classic, I don't know if that's actually fun, but I think it's maybe an interesting fact. <laughs> that's really cool. Who's your favorite uh, composer? Oh, man, I have no idea. I just put on Pandora. Okay, so you disconnect through classical music. That's awesome. I like Andre Segovia myself. I used to play guitar when I was a kid. Well, this is cool, man. I think it's always fun to learn just something unique about you. And it sounds like you enjoy stress reduction like we all do. Well, this is an important piece for us to talk about today. But let's dive into a little bit about who you are, what you do, and why you do it. Tell people where your background started. I mean, we know you're this teacher of movement. Why should people listen to you and kind of what are you all about? Yeah, I guess the big thing, and I'll try to really abbreviate this, but I started training over 30 years ago. And, and the big thing is, it's kind of this hero's journey because I had some ups and some downs and some, some really low points through that 30-year time period. But it was only in the last couple of years that I really kind of figured it out. Like It took me decades to figure out this whole fitness game, you know, strength and performance and, and the value of strength and performance that we're definitely going to talk about in this session. But as a young kid, I just, I didn't have a clue. I mean, I didn't have a good coach. I started training for aesthetic reasons to, to look good. I ended up being a obsessive bodybuilder. That was one of the high points for me is getting into bodybuilding. That, that actual single thing changed my life in so many good ways. But during that time period, I had a major low back injury through improper training and not listening to my, my body. And those lessons were invaluable, but it was a devastating injury. I had a back surgery. I was immobile, co like completely immobile as a 19 year old kid and uh, just mm. an incredible life experience. Bounced back from that injury, ended up competing again successfully in bodybuilding. Then I got out of that uh, got busy with life and then started realizing that I wanted to, I've always been tied to, to fitness. So I basically ended up going to school for uh, physical therapy to become a physical therapist, had a great career as a physical therapist, and then transitioned into some other areas in the, the medical industry. But I've always had my hand in training myself and working with clients through decades of, of experience. You've also trained a lot of high-level athletes and everyday people, and this is why I'm so excited to have you on today, man, because there are a lot of athletes out there that are born with great genetics. But today, we're going to talk about everyday people, specifically busy moms, people that are maybe a little bit intimidated in the gym setting. You know, I have to tell you, your low back injury, I almost want to paint this picture of you just pushing the gas pedal down all the way. You're 19, you're lifting, you're getting big, and then, you know, years down the road, there's this injury. Looking back I mean, do you feel like this injury happened from some kind of divine intervention to actually make you slow down and be more mindful about your training? No one has ever asked me that question before, and I, I don't think I've ever thought about it, but I, I do think that, that that single event was transformational for my life and how I got to where I am today and my whole approach. So to answer the question, absolutely. 
because again, it was such an invaluable learning experience and it really shaped who I am. It wasn't till years later till I really started to connect the dots with all that, but that early tragedy, because that's really what it was, was just a, an incredible experience. And th- that really is the core of my approach to, to strength and performance and optimizing health. How, how intensive was it? I mean, was it a severing of, the, of any nerves? I mean, how intense was this injury? Well, it was, a, it was a severe disc herniation. So it was so severe that I couldn't stand within a couple of weeks of the injury. Now, let, let me tell you right now that I had the injury. It was a specific incident. I was deadlifting heavy weight up off of the floor. But you, you have to understand, I didn't know the first thing about what a deadlift was. I actually wasn't deadlifting. I was doing a shoulder shrug mm-hmm. with heavy weight. But I was picking up the weight off the floor, essentially doing a, uh, a deadlift. I have no idea what technique I was using. Um, it was really bad, I can tell you that. But here's the problem, is I had that injury. I had a specific mechanism of injury. And then the next day, I'm in there as a young, dumb kid trying to train through injury, doing squats. Mm. And that's why I couldn't walk within a couple of weeks, because the disc herniation was so severe that the disc was uh, protruding through the annulus fibrosis, which is the the outer layer of the disc. The inside is the the, the nucleus, which is like a jelly donut, okay? And the jelly was sticking out, uh, hitting a nerve, causing severe pain down my left leg, causing a condition called sciatic scoliosis, which means I couldn't stand upright, could not stand tall. I couldn't find any position of comfort. It was literally 24-7 pain until I had that surgery. And again, it's my own fault. <laughs> it's my own fault because I didn't listen to my body. I'm sure it was a, a severe herniation when I did it, but I certainly uh, made it a lot worse by trying to train through an injury. What role do you think at that age that ego played in the injury? I mean, do you feel like the yeah. injury itself happened because you were pushing too hard? Did you know at all that that was going to happen? No, I think... Um, Two things. I think it was really a lack of understanding. So my mindset at that time was, oh, this is a strained muscle. I could train through it, no problem. And then the other part was totally ego because it was soon after my first bodybuilding competition. I did well. I was you know, in the mindset of, hey, I'm going to train for my next show. I'm going to put on size and I can't miss any training. So yes, it was ego, ego driven for sure. And this is why, you know, the question I I feel compelled to ask you is now when you look at training in your 30s and your 40s and people in their 30s and 40s compared to training when you're in your 20s, what do you see as the number one thing that people need to be mindful about? Well, I think that it's it's recovery. And so I'm really big on on programming and following specific kind of programming approaches or, or frameworks. I can talk a little bit about that. And basically what I mean is where you're, you're training for one goal at a time. So if you're training to be for fat loss, for example, then that's kind of your, your primary goal. If you're training to improve performance with Olympic weightlifting, you focus on that. You don't really try to do 10, 10 other things. Um, so I guess the bottom line with the older athlete, the older recreational uh, exerciser, is to build in periods of deloading. It's, so if you're training hard, that's fine. Do it for six, to, six or eight weeks and then take a week or two and deload and then go into some variety work or, or whatever. But I think that the biggest mistake is, is not taking proper periods where you scale back the training for a little bit. There's nothing wrong with that. And as a matter of fact, to go forward 
in training and to, to achieve results, you have to do that. You got to take little steps forward. It's basically, basically called waving the loads. Hmm. Your tra- the intensity is ramping up and then you scale it back and then you ramp it up again. That's, that's really the right way to do it. And again, it's something I never knew about uh, when I was a younger exerciser. Well, on your website, Ardella Training, you say, you know, to be totally honest, my stuff is not mainstream. So people that are looking for something that's getting out of this status quo, where let's be honest, I mean, right now in the fitness industry, there is some broken pieces, Scott. There is this common myth about calories in, calories out. But explore with us, what's the common myth about women and how they can relate to strength training? Why are women so scared about putting on muscle through strength training? Well, a couple of reasons several reasons, really. Obviously, there's the, the fear of bulk. So most uh, women that you'll talk to, there is still, for some reason, there there's a fear that if they lift heavy, they're going to put on a lot of muscle mass. They're going to get big shoulders, big arms. And let's face it, you know, I mean, w- women don't want that. There, there are males that, that don't want that. But to put on muscle mass, to put on muscle bulk, I can tell you this as a, as a bodybuilder, it's, it's hard to do. It's the training is a is a part of it. You have to train a very specific way. Um, I, I designed a program to add muscle mass or hypertrophy. It's it's a tough program, but it's it's taking all the best training variables t- to do that. And then on top of that, if you train with all the right training variables, you have to eat. You have to overconsume a hypercaloric diet to add muscle mass. So it's a combination of factors. So the fear of, of bulking, which I would really say is the number one fear for women, is that there's, there's really nothing to it. It's, it's, a, it's a false fear is what it is. So this fear of bulking, this fear of bulking that comes up, where do you think this started from? And what was the genesis of, of women? By the way, not all women. There's a lot of women that strength train, but there's a lot that don't. Where do you think this started from, this myth about, oh, if I lift, I'm going to get bulky? I think it's really just, you know, when you look at strength training in general, okay, if you just look at, you know, 100 years ago, you know, the strength scientists or, you know, the people that started the whole strength training movement, old-time strongmen, for example, whenever you think of strength, you think of muscle mass, you think of big individuals, right? So Popeye. It's, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just a natural association. The, the good thing is, is that I think that Women, men, people in general are becoming much more educated on the benefits of strength training. And, what's, and what are myths? What are the big myths and misconceptions? And what is reality? And I think it's really exciting. I mean, I, I talk about this in, in my book. I think it's a new revolution. It's a new breed of fitness enthusiasts today because people are much more understanding the, the benefits and the value of strength training and they're understanding these, these common myths, like the, the fear of bulk. Certainly some people have it, but I think the education, I think as, as an industry, if we look at what we are doing well, I think we are helping to educate people about what is real and what is myths and misconceptions. And when we look at strength training too, I mean, this is a continuum. It's not as if strength training only occurs in a CrossFit box or only occurs in a gym. So one thing that's a myth just that I've seen on my side, Scott, is that, you know, strength training means going to 24-hour fitness, going next to the guy with the protein shake, the one that smells really bad, and then he's going to check you out in your outfit. I mean, that's not attractive to somebody who wants to start a strength training program. But I mean, outside of this, when we look at strength training, what are the real benefits for weight loss and longevity? Everyone that starts a journey, just like I did, 
probably does cardio in the beginning. You know, they get on the stair mill. But for people that are just beginning, I mean, what, sh- what should they know? What should uh, women specifically know about the benefits for weight loss, you know, letting go of this old weight? Well, one of the big things is really the, the importance of muscle tissue. So it's really, so even though there's this fear, okay, of uh, bulking up, okay, as I mentioned, it's really hard to do that. So after the age of 30, we basically, as humans, we start to lose muscle tissue. It's just a natural part of the aging process. So realistically, we should be doing everything humanly possible to increase muscle tissue. The muscle tissue is what impacts the metabolism much more so than cardiovascular training. If you look at cardiovascular training and aerobic training, you're burning calories during the exercise. With strength training, there's a phenomenon called excess post-exercise oxygen consumption. And that is where your body, your metabolism is elevated for hours post-training. And this only occurs through resistance exercise, through strength training. So it's critical for weight loss, for health, for fat burning effects. And again, I, I really think that people know this. For, for the most people that are into fitness now, they're, they're understanding this, that cardio and strength training are two different things. But what is the real difference in your opinion? I mean, this exercise post-oxygen consumption, do people only get this from interval training and strength? Can they get EPOC from steady state cardio no. or no? I mean, again, it goes back to the point that aerobic exercise is burning calories only during, and I'm talking about, you know, if you're doing treadmill, biking, things like that, if, if somehow you are incorporating resistance type of exercise into a, a long, slow duration cardio, then there may be some benefit. But in general, I mean, if you look at what the science says, it's the resistance exercise, it's the strength training, the heavy lifting that changes the metabolism much more so than pure aerobic training. It's a huge difference. Well, let's talk about the science piece. I mean, there's there's a lot of science behind letting go of this weight, but it's specifically through the modality of strength training. When you look at the continuum of strength training and people that constantly vary their workouts compared to somebody that maybe just goes running, what is the real difference between the two? And then unpack the science behind weight loss through strength training. Well, again, I think uh, to keep it really simple, it just goes back to the metabolic cost, the metabolic demand. So the metabolism is going to be elevated where you're burning calories. So you, let's say you've exercised in the morning and now you've exercised at 8 a.m. in the morning. At six o'clock that night, your metabolism is still gonna be at an elevated rate, burning more calories. Now, if you did the same uh, exercise training, which was just a, a run at 8 a.m. that morning, you're not gonna have that, that metabolic effect. You understand? So it's, it's a longer-term effect on your metabolism through strength training. Now, that's only one of the benefits though, because there's so many other benefits. If we look at all of our systems in our body, our joints, our bones, uh, if you're doing the high-intensity interval training that you mentioned, okay, where you're combining resistance exercise with aerobic-type training, kettlebells is a great example, okay? Kettlebell swings or snatches. That's a great way to combine the two where you're getting the aerobic training and the strength, the resistance exercise as well. So, and so you're going to have this massive effect on all of the systems or most of the systems in your body. So the, the, the difference between aerobic training and strength training is literally like night and day. And the, to sum it all up, if you're doing just aerobic exercise and you're not doing strength training, 
you're missing a huge, huge part of the fat loss equation, of the weight loss equation, and to optimize uh, health and performance. So mm-hmm. it's, just, it's something that like every human being should be strength training for as long as possible because we lose, again, as, as I mentioned earlier, we lose that muscle tissue after the age of 30 and we also lose strength. And unfortunately, we don't. Re- I read a great, great quote recently. It said, uh, "Movement isn't important until you can't." And you could say the exact same thing about strength. You don't realize how important strength is until you lose it, until you can't get up off of the floor, until you can't get up out of a chair. So it, it's critical for people to to function and to operate at their their highest potential. This is powerful too because you mentioned this fact about muscle being basically eaten, right? It just atrophies after we're 30. So where does it go? I wish we could take that and put it back on. Unfortunately, it doesn't work like that. So when we look at this HIIT training or strength versus the steady state, you know, long duration cardio is something that I mentioned. A lot of people just kind of start with. And I feel like, Scott, because it's easy. No one really teaches you how to run. You just kind of know how to run because you see other people doing it. Same thing with 5Ks. We have a lot of people that join these color runs and 5Ks and 10Ks. I myself made the mistake (laughs) of running a marathon in 2007, which I don't know, I think my knee is still messed up from it. But you know, that's not me. I'm just not built like a runner. I'm built like a little brick house. So for me, I actually backed it up through a test on uh, 23andMe, which is a genetic testing company. And I know that I have the sprinters gene. So I have a higher state of fast twitch fiber than most people. But muscular density does not have to be something that women need to be afraid of. But when they're learning this process, I mean, how do women start doing this? Like, if someone's never been into the gym, they're 34 years old and they're like, okay, I'm going to go down the street. I'm going to actually get into this 24 hour fitness. I've read about muscle, muscular training. I know it's going to help me lose weight. I mean, where do they begin? Well, two things come to mind here. Uh, the first thing is to keep it really simple and just focus on fundamentals. Okay. And we can talk about what are the fundamental lifts, what are the fundamental exercises. And in today's world, you know, there's certain, there's a hundred different exercise modalities and training programs and all this stuff. But the bottom line is just keep it simple and focus on the things that have been time tested and, and proven over the years. And, you know, these are things like body weight exercises, uh, barbell training, which can be intimidating for some and, and kettlebells. Kettlebells has kind of come onto the scene in the last 15 years or so, but it's, it's a tool that's been around for a very long time. It's actually not anything new. So that's the first thing is to keep it simple, focus on fundamentals. And then number two is really to find a good coach. And this is something that unfortunately does take some time and some due diligence to find a good trainer. And I, encur- I would encourage people to research the, the coach, the trainer that they're you know, going to work with and find out you know, what do these credentials mean? You know, what, what is the, who, who do they work with? How do they help people? How long have they been doing this? What is their approach? I mean, you know, ask the question, send, you know, in today's world, you can send people an email and ask them, you know, how do they approach training? Because I, I have people approach me and quite honestly, I mean, I'm not a fit for everybody. I'm, I'm a, as you mentioned, I'm a movement teacher. So I take a long-term approach to training to, to make better people. I mean, that's, that's, what I'm trying to do is, is build a better body through a foundation of strength and better movement. And I really feel like this is something that I didn't understand for so many years. 
And if you do this, it will improve virtually every area of your life. Now, if you're looking at health and wellness, obviously there's a lot of other things to it. We just talked about this, the sleep, the nutrition, uh, recovery, you know, so many different things to it. But strength is, is a foundation to a better life. And I really believe that. We'll jump right back to the conversation with Scott, but speaking of foundations for health and how we show up in our wellness starts in the gut. One of the things that I just recently sent out was a test kit to Ubiome, and I'm changing the way that my gut flora and my microbiome impacts my health. I know that gastrointestinal support through products from perfectsupplements.com like Prescript Assist will help me do just that. It's a broad spectrum probiotic and prebiotic. And really, this is a next generational product. It has 29 strains of beneficial soil-based microorganisms with six years plus of testing and development in the clinical settings. Prescript Assist remains one of the most effective probiotic supplements for restoration of gastrointestinal microflora. There's no greater need than satisfying the flora in our gut. Hop on over to perfectsupplements.com slash wellnessforce. Pick up Prescript Assist, broad spectrum probiotic and prebiotic today. Save 10% entering code wellnessforce at checkout. Now let's jump back to the conversation with Scott Ardella. What are these fundamental lifts? You had mentioned that there's some key lifts here. I mean, if you had to pick three for people to just begin, just to get curious about, what are these three top movements for people? Let's say they're just using their body. What are three body weight strength training movements that somebody can start doing in or even out of a gym? Yeah, so it's very simple. Again, the fundamentals would be something like a push, a pull, and a squat. Okay, so a, a pull. Let's start with that. So a pull would be something like a, a pull-up or an inverted, uh, like a horizontal row, okay? Something where you're, you're pulling, you're using your lats. Uh, a push would be something like a, a push-up or a uh, overhead press. Obviously, if you, you would need a, a barbell or a kettlebell or a dumbbell even to do an overhead press. There's handstand uh, type of uh, pressing, which is more advanced, obviously, but incredibly valuable. And then, so we're talking about body weight here, just a, a body weight squat. But all three of these movements do require the right coaching, the right movement, the right stabilization, using your trunk stability, the right mobility to, to perform all these movements. So as simple as they are, now that, you know, that they require the right coaching and they can be translated. So I, I talked about using them as a body weight type of exercise, but they can be translated to, to kettlebells, to barbell training. But th those are really the fundamental movements. And I would add one other movement there, and that would be the hinge. And this is something that's talked about a lot in, in exercise and performance training. And a great example of a hip hinge pattern or hip hinge movement would be something like a, a kettlebell swing. And a Russian-style kettlebell swing is really the way that, that I do a swing. But when we talk about a kettlebell swing, it's, there are different styles. So uh, a Russian style is basically where you're elevating the kettlebell to approximately shoulder height. And that's really the ideal place to start and to learn the hip hinge pattern. Actually, to, to learn a hip hinge pattern, you'd really start with a, a kettlebell deadlift to get the, the movement pattern ingrained. So what I'm hearing you say is that there is some key fundamental movements for people, specifically for women, to begin this process of understanding strength training, using this to help them let go of weight. But 
it's a good idea to kind of scour the gym floor. And I'll, I'll throw in this tip. You know, the clients that I used to get when I was working at gyms, they would approach me and they would say, listen, I've been watching you for a couple of weeks, train people. And I like how you care. I like how you train people. They look like they're getting results. That is the number one thing. If you're really looking to pick a trainer, in my opinion, when you're going into the gym and you have some time, do your cardio, do whatever you're going to do. But look at which trainers are actually caring. You know, if they're on their phone, don't ever train with them. <laughs> if they're looking away from their client, you'll know when you when a trainer cares because you'll be able to just perceive them. You'll you'll understand if they care or not. Now, I feel like and maybe you can chime in on this, a trainer that cares that maybe doesn't have 10 years of experience is in my opinion, a lot more beneficial than a trainer who has a ton of experience, but is kind of cocky and a little bit disconnected from their clients. What do you feel about that? Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, I would add one other thing too, is something to, if you're looking at trainers in the gym, because this is something I hear a lot and it's trainers that really are trying to, for lack of a better term here is really try to smash their clients. Okay. Every workout, you know, right. <laughs> you don't, you don't, you don't want that. Again, my approach is to make people better. So we should be taking this long-term approach and trying to build our skills, better skills equals better results. We're going to be better people, you know? So, you know, the trainer that's smashing their client every time and, you know, just having a trashed workout every single time, that's not what you want. You want to learn how to move better and protect your body from injury. And I'm speaking from personal experience, as I already mentioned. You know, this is, I've, I've been through that. And, you know, you do not want to get hurt training. And I, I'll tell you that, you know, barbell training, kettlebell training, body weight training, all this stuff I'm talking about is incredibly safe when you learn how to move properly and when you have yes. sufficient mobility and stability. And, you know, most things are coachable. Uh, certain things aren't. I mean, if we we're talking about an older client that has certain uh, structural deficits, that may not be coachable. So we have to, you know, that that goes back to understanding who is a good coach and what they what they can work with, what exercise is going to be good for that individual. We talked about individualizing nutrition in our recent interview, Josh. Well, exercise is the same way. It has to be individualized. So, what do you think? What do you think holds women back? from beginning this process, you know, from strength training? Is it what we talked about earlier, you know, the bulking or is it something else? I mean, what's the real reason why some women don't want to touch a barbell? Well, I, I think bulking is part of it, but I also think that there, there is maybe not a desire, okay, to, to get stronger. And that is something that I feel really strong about. So when I got into this, when I had a pivotal time in my own training journey, when I discovered kettlebells, uh, years ago, you know, I was trying to, Hey, everybody's got to go do kettlebells. Well, I don't do that anymore. You know, I, I let people come to me who are seeking strength and, and movement and performance. And so I think that to answer your question, I, I think that not everybody wants to be stronger and that's okay. But I, I think if they understand at some level, at a very fundamental level that, strength training, resistance exercise will help them, then, I mean, that, that's really the first step. Hmm. So it's just the understanding that this can be a vehicle to increase their personal power. Yes. How does strength training relate to emotional power? I mean, what's the context? What's the driver between how strength in the gym shows up in our, the way that we communicate at our jobs and with our families and with our loved ones? Uh, one of the biggest things is confidence, obviously. I interviewed a uh, a fitness professional, Jen Sinkler, 
some time ago. She's absolutely fantastic. And she talked about how there is nothing that will boost confidence almost instantaneously than lifting something heavy. And she's absolutely right. I mean, I just <laughs> think about like deadlifting or, you know, I love Olympic weightlifting as well. So snatching a heavy weight overhead. And again, I get it. Not everybody's going to be into the things that I do. And that's, again, that's totally fine. But I will tell you that a fundamental thing that I feel like every woman should do would actually be deadlifting because I think it's, it's one of the more accessible barbell lifts that most people can do, uh, providing they, again, get good coaching. And it's something that will dramatically improve confidence, self-esteem, sense of well-being. I mean, the psychological benefit of, of strength training is almost immeasurable, really. So you've seen this with the clients you've worked with. I mean, I know you've worked with athletes, but the average clientele who maybe is just coming in and walking kind of slow, they have their brand new shoes with them and they bought the wrist straps and they have the chalk or whatever it might be. And they're just beginning the journey. Yeah. You know, this one exercise that I think everyone's looking for, is it one or is it many? If we just talked about what are the things that people should be doing immediately to get stronger? Like what's the biggest bang for the buck? Again, I think it's really the fundamental lift. So again, squat, press, deadlift, you know, the fundamental thing. So, and that's not to say that that is all you should do. So what I'm saying is to focus on the fundamentals and then all the fun variety stuff, that's make that kind of the secondary things. You know, if you need all this, you know, variety and changes, that's great. But build your programming around the fundamental things, squat, deadlift, press, and those simple things offer more value than just about anything else. And again, going back to what we were talking about earlier with the aerobic training, there's nothing wrong with aerobic training. I'm not saying that. Certainly for people that enjoy running, go run. By all means, run. But realize that strength training will make you a better runner. You know, that, that goes back to science too. I mean, there was a specific study looking at middle distance runners who trained heavy. They were doing heavy back squats. Uh, it was either two or three times a week, heavy back, back squat training, and they improved their running performance, improved running economy, and had a uh, reduced incidence of injury, if I remember that particular study, correct? Why do you think that was? I mean, is that be are they growing more fast twitch fibers, which then helps the endurance portion of their slow twitch? I mean, what's the science behind how back squats can help people run more effectively? Okay, so joint health, number one. So the, the, the resistance exercise is going to help to strengthen and protect the joints. And then muscle tissue, as you mentioned. So uh, training the fast two uh, explosive uh, muscle tissue, which is that actually the type two uh, fast switch muscle fiber is the muscle tissue that we tend to lose as we get older. So that specifically, that's why the explosive strength training Okay, and the kettlebell swing is a perfect example of explosive strength training. That is an exercise we should try to do for as long as we can because we, we lose that. And just to give an example, let's put this in a real world, okay? So let's say 70-year-old woman is walking and she slips and her reaction, she does not, she, she hasn't trained in, in years, strength training, okay? She's not gonna have that explosive fast-switch muscle fiber to react to protect her body from a fall compared to let's, let's say there's a, another 70 year old and she's been doing some, some deadlifts and squats twice a week into, and she walks a couple of times a week as well. She's going to be so, her body is going to be so much better 
able to withstand the the slip and fall than than the one who doesn't train. So again, that's going back to the middle distance runner study. You know, muscle fiber, joint health, protecting all these systems in our body. You know, we, we don't need a study to to explain that. You understand what I'm saying? It just mm-hmm. back to all, all the benefits of strength training that that I've been talking about. So I'm almost feeling like when we look at this continuum, and I call it the continuum because it never stops. I mean, even the 70-year-old is going to continue to do some type of resistance training. If we know that muscle is something that we lose as life progresses, then why wouldn't everyone develop a strength training practice? Great question. That's actually, that's a burning question I I really have. And I I would love to know the answer to that. (laughs) Okay. I'll let you know when I figure it out. (laughs) Well, let's transition. You know, I want to ask you two more questions. One of them being, do you use technology? You know, so much of what we focus on the show is around behavior change or technology that can help us do that. So do you use any technology in your training personally or with practice or even specifically with a female clientele? Yeah, that's a really great question. As I mentioned in our interview, I am not the technology guy. So Really, the only thing I use is an application called Coach's Eye. So as I told you, as we've been talking about here, I'm a movement teacher in this uh, application, Coach's Eye. Are you familiar with that? Yeah. You know, Steph Godrow talked about that on the show. She mentioned Coach's Eye. So I'm going to check this Coach's Eye out. Yeah, I love it. So I actually just had a weightlifting class last night and uh, where I'm teaching a group of beginner weightlifters. Okay. So I'm teaching Olympic weightlifting. Olympic weightlifting, again, is the, the snatch and the clean and jerk. And so last night was the third session, okay? So that's when I started using Coach's Eye. And what I do is I film the, the client from the side, and then I walk over with them, and I show them what they just did. And there's basically, there's little drawing markers that you can put on this application. And what I'm teaching is a vertical bar path. So let's just take the snatch. So the snatch, you're starting from the barbell down, and you're elevating it overhead. So we're looking at vertical bar path, and then we're looking at all the things that I'm teaching them as far as their setup, uh, the, the hip position during the second pull, how they finish, shoulder position, everything, okay? And I'll show that to them, and I'll ask them, you know, what do they see? Before I give my feedback, I want to know what do they see, and I'm trying to get the sense of what they have absorbed as far as all the, the technique and coaching cues that I've given them. So coach's eye to me, is invaluable. And I've, I've used that for, I don't know, it's been around for a couple of years. So I've used it for a while now. I don't introduce it right away. Like I said, this is the third session with this particular group. And, uh, you know, I'll take one short video and we'll review that. And it's, it's really good because you can continue to coach people, right? But they, you know, we're all different learners. Some people are auditory. They need to hear it. Some people are tactile. They need to kind of feel joint positions and things like that. And then there are visual learners. So, you know, I try to teach using all, all of the senses really. And that's why coaching eye is, it's, it's always really good because when I show people and they see that, they can almost, most of the time, almost go back and instantaneously uh, fix something that they were working on. And this is a cool tool. This is a really cool tool because I'm almost visualizing this as something where they could have a friend film them as well once they know how to do it. So it's, it's technology that is not just helping people, you know, track their steps and and track their sleep, but also, I mean, there's some great devices coming out right now in strength and conditioning around rep tracking and form tracking via this coach's eye too. Last question I want to ask you is about glutes. You know, this comes up so much where people are like, how do I get a better butt? And as, you know, trivial as it might seem, 
seam, I think that people get a lot of strength from their glute, not just by the way it looks, but what's more important for me, the function of the glute. I mean, one of the things that used to drive me crazy is when people do lunges, if their glute has an improper variance of strength, then their knee's not going to track correctly. When their knee doesn't track correctly, they can have all kinds of kinetic chain breakdowns. What do you think is the most important lift for a woman to do to really build the strength of the glutes and the pelvic floor? Really, really focusing on the glutes though. Well, the most important, I mean, I think it, it's really going to depend on the individual, but I'm going to give you three exercises that I think are the, the top three for the glutes. And may, may, I'm going to actually give you four. So the deadlift, obviously, we've talked about that. We know that there is huge muscle activation in a properly performed conventional style deadlift. So conventional style is when the hands are outside of the, the knees, as opposed to if the hands are inside when you grab the bar, that would be a sumo style. So conventional style deadlift, assuming that the technique is satisfactory, is going to be high level of glute activation. Obviously, squats, any type of squat is going to be high engagement of glute activation. Kettlebell swing is phenomenal, phenomenal for the glutes. And going back to that Russian style kettlebell swing, where you're swinging the kettlebell to approximately shoulder height. When you swing the kettlebell through, the glutes are tight and uh, full body tension, and it's, it's an incredible, incredibly effective exercise for the glutes. But I'm going to say, and no pun intended there <laughs> with the word but, but uh, Brett Contreras and his work uh, has shown that the barbell hip bridge, which is kind of a debated exercise, but that is the highest level of glute activation. And there are some nuances with the barbell hip bridge. Basically, your, your shoulders are on a bench and the barbell is across your, your pelvis. It has to be positioned kind of on, on the right. It's so hard. It's, it's <laughs> right. It's, it's a little uncomfortable when you're learning it and you got to use a towel and all that kind of stuff. But there is nothing that engages the glutes as, to that level as much as the, the barbell hip bridge. Uh, so Brett Contreras, he's done a lot of work on this, EMG activity. Uh, his book, Strong Curves, which is uh, a woman's guide to building a better uh, butt and body, which is a great book. But he actually shows some of the EMG numbers on the big lifts. And that reading that little chart that he has in the book has always stuck out with me as far as the muscle activation of the glute maximus. I'll definitely make sure to link that book you mentioned from Brett in the show notes. One thing that came up for me is we've gone over so much value today around like the, the real benefits of steady state versus HIIT training strength, what this exercise post-oxygen consumption piece really is, burning more calories when you're done, how this relates to weight loss. I mean, there's been a lot. And I think for somebody that's listened and they're at this point and they're thinking, okay, Scott, like, what do I do now though? You know, what's the first step for a, a woman who's just wants to begin this journey? What does she do? I think it really comes down to getting a good coach. So, but even before that, okay, you have to, you have to understand the things that we've talked about in the show today. You've got to understand the, the importance of strength, the benefits of strength, and how that ties into your individual goals. That is why I wrote the book, The Edge of Strength, because I believe through my, my own journey that strength is our edge in life. And I tried to explain this as best I could. You know, why strength is important for optimizing health, why it's important for movement, for, for performance, why it makes an athlete a better athlete, 
and a, a person a better person. So, I mean, that that's it. I think you have to understand it. To keep things simple, you have to understand it. And then the next step is is to get a coach. Find the right coach who can help you and, and keep it simple. And that would be the other thing. My other piece of advice too is in today's world, in today's fitness climate with so many different things, so many different options, keep it simple. I mean, body weight, barbells, kettlebells, they're the things that work, guys. Words of wisdom, words of wisdom. And it's so easy to get caught up in trends and sweeping things that are going on, all, all these different energies. But what I'm hearing from you is that strength does not have to be something that intimidates people. With the right approach and the right guidance, you know, a trusted coach, a trusted mentor, somebody who you really can do some work with, there can really be more benefits to strength than just your muscles. As you had written in your book, it's the edge of your life. So I love that, man. What a great contrast. This is the absolute best part of the show. I love this. This is seven really fast questions I'm going to ask you for seven top of mind answers before we say goodbye. Are you ready to go? Yeah, ready. If there was one thing you could change about health and wellness, what would it be and why? What we've talked about, and that is really just to have everyone understand the value of strength, a deeper understanding of the importance of strength and movement. And I think that we, as, a, as an industry, peep, there are so many good people out there that are helping to educate on why movement matters, why strength matters. And that's a key to achieving our long-term goals. So when you look back, if you could just plant a note in the pocket of your 18-year-old self, what would you say on that note? Wow. I, again, I think it would really be to focus on performance would be this, the simple answer. So going back to my early career as an 18-year-old, I didn't know what performance was. I was a, a bodybuilder, again, chasing the look better goal and totally ignoring anything that had to do with performance and, and moving well. Uh, so that would be the big thing is, is focus on performance. And if, if you become a better mover, a stronger person, uh, all, the, all the other things will follow. They really will. What is the best book or maybe a couple favorites for a best-selling author like you? I mean, what's in your queue to read right now or has there been one book that's really moved you? Yeah, great question. I love this question. So I'm a total book nut. I mean, I, I read as much as I possibly can. I've got my office right now. I'm surrounded by books. I've got a huge book stack that I haven't even read yet. But the, the book that I'm going to recommend is a book called The One Thing. And it's not a fitness book at all, but it's a book about uh, focus and, and achieving extraordinary results. It's written by a real estate guy of all things, Gary Keller. And there's a co-author in the book. But it's probably one of the single most important and valuable books I've ever read. And it's a really easy read. I've read it several times. I'm due to actually go back and reread it now. And there's so many good things. There's so many bits of information around focus, around the, the things that we've talked about, keeping things really simple, focus on fundamentals, uh, habit development, um, focusing on what matters, just so many pearls, productivity, and on and on. So the one thing would be a book that will make a major difference. I recommend this book all the time. It's absolutely fantastic. What is the most important focus for you now as you age when it comes to strength training? What do you focus on the most now? Yeah, so right now, so I, as I mentioned before, I like to take uh, things with a one goal at a time approach. So right now, in the past couple of weeks, I started a Olympic weightlifting program. And my goal is to uh, compete. I'm in my late 40s. And I, I don't think that, I mean, we, we have infinite potential. So I have not competed in a weightlifting competition yet. And I'm just working to 
to do that, really. So I'm focused on Olympic weightlifting and always moving and mobility and stability are, are kind of key things that I'm, I'm always trying to maintain. I, I feel like I can move really well. I feel like I'm resilient and energetic. And a lot of my training has to, to do with that. So that's, you know, we talk about recovery, try to maximize recovery, nutrition, sleep, and everything to just be a resilient person and to be the best I can be. And specifically, you know, having these competitive events really keeps me going and keeps me moving forward. When you're stressed or when you encounter a roadblock in life, what's a mantra or a message that you might say to yourself to push you through a difficulty piece? Take a step back, reevaluate, and focus on what matters most. And I, we mentioned at the beginning of the show is like the classical music thing. So with uh, stress and, and roadblocks and things like that, I take some time. I like to think about things, put on some classical music, relax a little bit, and just focus on what matters. Because it, it's too easy to get overwhelmed with, you know, right now I've got just an enormous amount of projects and things on my plate. And it's just, okay, what matters right now? What do I have to focus on today, tonight, tomorrow? And, and that's it. And just keep it, you know, manageable and keep it in small bite-sized chunks. So what is your vision for the community you've built at ardellatraining.com? And what's the legacy that you want to leave when you're not around? Well, I'm going to answer the second part of the question first. The legacy really started with the book that I wrote, again, The Edge of Strength. And that is my big picture philosophy on the learnings that, that I have experienced through 30 years of training. So that's really where things start. And for, for me, I didn't want to write one book. So I'm working on my next book now and I want to write multiple books. So writing books is a big part of my legacy. And I want to build a community on the website through the podcast to educate people on the things that we've talked about today. You know, why this strength stuff matters, why we need to move well, why we need to take a long-term approach and why this can make us better people. Um, no matter where we are, you know, whether we're general exercisers, um, you know, business professionals, uh, you know, young strength coaches, whatever it is, you know, just taking the right approach and the long-term approach. And that's what I hope to do is really provide the, the, the best information, the most cutting edge information that, that I can. Well, with your background as a movement teacher and, you know, an author and everything you've done, I'm curious what you define wellness as, you know, what is wellness to you? Yeah, that is a really great question. And uh, so wellness to me is really the optimal interplay of our organ systems and maintaining a disease-free state. Uh, so th that means being as healthy as possible. And, and, and again, that means you know, free of disease, free of medication, uh, free of any health issues. And on the other part of that, it also means moving well, okay? And owning our movement, being able to, to get down on the floor and get back up, play with our kids and just bounce around and be resilient at any age. Uh, that, that is, I, that's a great question. And that is, that's really the definition of wellness to me. You can learn more about Scott and everything he's doing at ardellatraining.com. Pick up his book, The Edge of Strength. It's on Amazon and it's a digital format as well as hard copy. Yes, it's a Kindle book as well as a print book. Yep, I actually recommend the print book. And the reason is, is because if you have a print book, you're going to use it and you're going to refer back to it. I know that the Kindle books, 
they, they get lost. You know what I mean? Yeah. These people- you're old, you're old school. I'm old school too. I like books. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I like, you know, I get, I get people that send me PDFs on a book and I'm like, you know, I don't even want to read that. Yeah. <laughs> I want to have a book in my hand. So I, I definitely understand you there because it's a resource, you know, you're in a library right now. You're surrounded by books. Anytime you want, you can walk over and pick it up and sit in a chair and read it. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. I just want to take a second here to honor this work you're doing, you know, your, your passion to help people really fulfill their potential through this, as you call it, their foundation of strength. That's admirable. And I think it's something that people lose. So you're helping people regain that and improve that. So thanks for all your work. Thank you, Josh. This is fun, man. That is a wrap for episode 59. Thank you for sticking around to the end of the show. I love connecting with you on this podcast. Is there things that you want to talk about with me personally? Or do you have a guest you want to bring on the show? Write to me, josh at wellnessforce.com. You can get everything from today's show over at wellnessforce.com slash strength. Check out everything for Scott's bio, his book, get a copy of this guy's book. It was actually really interesting reading through it. There's some chapters in there that surprised me a little bit to say the least. And I think they'll be really impactful for you. No matter if you're just starting this strength training journey or you've been on it for a while, this is your guy. I mean, this is an expert that really knows the landscape. And I think he has kind of a crystal ball because he's predicting some things in the future that are already happening. And quick question, are we connected on social? Go to wellnessforce.com. You'll see all the links for social. Let's follow each other on Twitter, on Facebook, on Snapchat. I'm kind of begrudgingly joining Snapchat. I actually had some funny snaps this week. Are you guys even on Snapchat? Let me know. I mean, I'm 36 years old. Are you guys on Snapchat with me? Come join the fun at Snapchat. It's at wellnessforce, at wellnessforce all over the internet. Next week, founder of RebootedBody.com and podcast host Kevin Geary from Atlanta, Georgia is bringing us information about getting a body that we finally love through real food, functional movement, and really importantly, behavioral psychology. He's got an online academy. He works with people who are struggling with similar challenges. And he asked this powerful question of why can't I consistently align my behavior with my good intentions? Make sure to come back around to the show next Tuesday we can connect with Kevin. Now there's just one thing left for you to do, and that is to go have an amazing day with all the tools and inspiration you learned today from Scott and every other guest that's been on the show. So until I see you again real soon, I'm wishing you love and wellness.